Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today we have on the show, Nicole Clark. Now, Nicole is a former Mormon who tells us the story of how she left her religion and the trials and tribulations with that, but also the tragic loss of her daughter and the miracle that happened after her daughter passed over to the other side. Get ready for some tissues, guys, because this one, this one's going to pull at the heartstrings. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show. Nicole Clark. How you doing, Nicole? I'm so great. I'm so excited to be here, Alex. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for writing your remarkable book. Remember all that is um, that, it, you know, it really touched it. It really touched my heart and uh, your story is so remarkable. And I really think it's going to help some people today. So that's why I wanted to have you on the show. So my first question to you, my dear, is what was your life like prior to August 2020. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, going back to my childhood, I was born and raised Mormon in a very high demand religion. I actually mm-hmm. loved it, loved my family. I have very fond, beautiful memories of it. So I don't want to speak badly of it in any way. And um, I lived it heart and soul with every fiber of my being, I used to say, mm-hmm. for 38 years, you know, <laughs> never questioned it never even thought anything out there could possibly ever light me up as much as Mormonism did. Mm-hmm. And then in 2016, I had kind of one of those aha moments. I call it my Grinch moment where mm-hmm. <laughs> I had been trying for so long. I always wanted six kids. Let's just put that out there first. Cause that's kind of like, what was, who are you? <laughs> like why you want six kids kind of thing. <laughs> but I always wanted six and I had five right away after we got married, like within the first seven years, boom, 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 boom. And then it took me eight years to get pregnant again. And then I had two miscarriages and an ectopic pregnancy. And I was just having so many complications trying to get pregnant again. I just wanted number six, you know? (laughs) And so in 2016, I had been working so hard. My other goal was to get back down to my pre-pregnancy weight because um, I wanted to be fit before I got fat again. If that makes sense. <laughs> oh, yes. It makes perfect you know, sense. You know? So I got there and I had been starving myself and hangry for years. And I got to that moment where I stepped on the scale and I saw the number and it was like, <gasps> and I celebrated for like two seconds. And then I looked up at the mirror and all of those thoughts came flooding in like, oh, I'm still fat. Like, ew, I still have cellulite. Mm. Like, oh my goodness, they're still, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even close to where I want to be after all these this time and then it was like my heart grew three sizes that day like the Grinch you know when he stole Christmas because I realized that 
oh my goodness, I've been basing all of my happiness, all of my goals and all of my whole life around this number. And I thought, maybe happiness isn't in the number. Maybe it's so much more, <laughs> you know? And since then I've realized it's not in a bank account number, it's not in my pants size, it's not in the number of likes or followers I have, nothing. Um, and so that started me down the rabbit hole of self-development, personal development. I read so many books and started mm -hmm. that. And then in 2017, I was sitting in the dentist office. My daughter was getting her teeth cleaned and I got, a life-changing phone call where my dad, I found out that my dad had passed away unexpectedly and that rocked my world. And I came home from that and just cried and cried and cried. <laughs> I hadn't um, been able to get very close to my dad for many, many years. My parents had been divorced and we were finally rekindling that. And he came out to visit for the first time in our marriage like that summer. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. And that really, was like the catalyst to my real change like where i just started saying we're not guaranteed tomorrow like we never know when our time is and if i'm not living a life that i love right now then i'm wasting my time <laughs> like i'm because you know so many of us push off for someday someday i'll be happy someday i'll get the way someday i'll be successful when we're really missing the journey the joy of the journey when we're doing that so um at that point i started writing a book and I'd given up on having another child. <laughs> it was just like, at that point, my, my youngest was going into kindergarten and I was like, well, I'm experiencing a freedom that I haven't had since, uh, I don't even know how long ago, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. My oldest was like um, 15 or 16 at that point. So it'd been many years that I've been a stay-at-home mom doing mom thing and not doing anything for me. And so I started writing my first book. I signed up for all these courses on how to do that, how to do e-commerce, all these things. And then soon after my daughter went to kindergarten, I got pregnant again. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, of course, right? When you let go. <laughs> That's the way it works generally. Right? So I had a dream that told me I was pregnant like three weeks before I found out. Like I have dreams a lot and we'll talk about um, one of my recurring dreams that came true. Um, but that was like one of those life-changing, like, oh, okay, well, I was putting myself first. Can I balance myself first and have a baby at the same time? And also the night that my dad died was another huge catalyst in that. I, at, at that point, I was still very much in the Mormon box. I believed everything. I never questioned it. My husband had started to question it and was starting the deconstruction journey. And I was very opposed to it. I was very anxiously trying to get him back into safety, you know, and that night, Alex, um, he was led to watch a movie with me. He said, let's just get your mind off of this. And you will not believe what movie it was because it literally changed my whole world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wonder if you could guess. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of those movies. <laughs> I don't know. Which one was it? I know. It was The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Oh, of course. And of yeah. course, right? Because she's changed everyone's <laughs> But I had never heard of the law of attraction mm -hmm. ever in my life. I'd never heard of the power of our thoughts or that our thoughts create our reality. And all of that was brand new to me. And I swear that my dad orchestrated that. Like on the day of his death, he was like, don't grieve for me, dear daughter. Here's a gift. <laughs> Here's something that will change the course of your life and help you be happier. And so I started that rabbit hole and 
started learning all sorts of things, studied hypnotherapy and certified in NLP and Ho'oponopono and so many different modalities, right? And just really found a lot more joy outside of my box of religion that I had never discovered before. And then I started questioning my religion and having a whole bunch of doubts and starting having so much cognitive dissonance that I wasn't feeling good about life. <laughs> and during that time, when I was pregnant with Emberly, um, I had a really bad breathing problem start happening and we didn't know what was happening. I got tested, but because you're pregnant, they don't allow you to do x-rays or any of that kind of stuff. And they thought I had asthma, but turns out I didn't. And I also went to a Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat during while I was pregnant with Emberly. And my husband and I were there for a week and in that week, they put us into smaller groups where we get to know people and actually see the same people over and over um, and talk about what we're learning. And in our group of like 50 people, I found it very wild and inter interesting that many of the women, at least 15, had problems with their throat. And I thought that was like really odd <laughs> out of this whole group. Like, why are these people having thyroid issues or permanent strep throat or all these things? And at that point, I didn't realize that where my breathing issue was coming from. We thought it was asthma. Fast forward a year later when I'm carrying Emberly up the stairs and I can't breathe. Um, literally had to stop after like four or five stairs just to get enough breath to make it up the rest of the stairway to put her in her crib like it was crazy mm -hmm. bad mm -hmm. um went to the ent the next day because i was like i gotta try something different the asthma doctor is not helping and he did an mri or an ultrasound or something on my neck and he was like freaked out he's like i've never seen anything like this in my life we gotta send you straight away to um a specialty doctor in columbus which is two hours away and so he sent it, sent me there like the next day. He was like, we can't wait on this. I have no idea what's wrong with you, but it's not good. Long story short, um, that doctor knew right away just from listening to me breathe. He was like, oh, you have idiopathic subglottic stenosis. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it turns out right below my epiglottis, my, um, I had developed enough scar tissue and problems where my throat was not normal. It was like down to the size of a little straw. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So no wonder I couldn't breathe, right? <laughs> and that morning before I got the diagnosis, I had a meditation where I was brought back to my childhood and I recognized that the throat chakra represents one's ability to speak their truth. Hmm. And I had not been speaking my truth for over a year. I had been denying it, suppressing it, you know, like, oh, yeah, I may not believe in Mormonism anymore, but I don't want to face that. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not ready to leave. That's too scary. And it was terrifying. And that was the catalyst for me to say, oh my goodness, my soul is literally like suffocating me to make drastic changes in my life and actually speak my truth, which was scary. And also very, I'm very grateful. My body has always been like, I don't know, several years ahead of my mind, I guess, my consciousness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, it'll bring it usually these is. Weird, 
Oh right? yeah, like, usually is weird yeah. diseases into my life that like I can't figure out. Like when my parents got divorced, I had this crazy like gastric by not gastric bypass. What's the um, acid reflux like crazy mm -hmm. for like ten years until I finally realized, oh, that's a direct result of not forgiving my parents of the divorce. And then as soon as I did, it was like it healed. <laughs> and so this was another one of those things where I did have to get surgery, and it is like still a little bit of a recurring problem. Like I have to clear my throat and drink a lot of water. Um, but most people who have that surgery have to have it like yearly just to be able to breathe the rest of their life. And idiopathic means they don't know why or what's the cause of it. But I figured that out pretty quickly was that I wasn't speaking my truth. So when Emberly was about eight months old, I decided I'm not going back to church. I had been going for like a year and every Sunday I'd be like, why am I here? Why am I here? Yeah. Like yeah. I don't feel good anymore. Like this doesn't uplift me or make me feel whole or excited or even healthy. Like I was just, and so I finally faced that fear and said, well, it, my soul is calling me somewhere else and I'm going to go there. And that was wild and scary. And also so glad I did it. Like, so glad I did it. And I've become a completely different person since then. Um, but also not like there's a lot of things I love about Mormonism, Mormonism that I've retained, you know, and I'm very grateful for that upbringing. I don't I did go through an angry phase where I saw how all the oh, yeah. hurt and the pain that it causes to so many people, you know, some of the doctrine and dogma. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, you just have to get to the point where you can look past that and love people where they are. Like I, I see a lot of people who leave religion and then judge Christians for judging them. And I oh. did that. I did that for a long time, right? Like, oh, they're so evil for being so judgmental and criticism. And, and, oh wait, I'm doing that right now when I'm criticizing them. <laughs> and so I had to just transmute all of that to love and acceptance and recognizing that I was them. So I understand where they're coming from. They're coming yeah. from a place where they, they truly feel like it's love. They're trying to accept you, but also have been taught that it's evil and bad and you're scary. Like that was one it's of the programming. hardest. Yeah, yeah. it's totally it's programming. So it was like, you know, recognizing that they're not doing it with malintent. They're doing it because they're literally been programmed that way. And it's really hard to deprogram someone. Or, it, you know, yourself. <laughs> well, there's this one of the most difficult things you have to do is that, you know, we spend the first seven years being programmed and the rest of our life trying to deprogram ourselves of whatever we learned in those first seven years, generally speaking. And it's so funny because I have a dear friend of the family. She's She's been a friend of my wife's for 12 years and she's been Mormon. She was an introduction to Mormonism. So I, I learned a lot about Mormonism uh, through her. Uh, and and she was like you gone ho just <laughs> all in drank the kool-aid i mean <laughs> but she was one of the sweetest nicest human beings i'd ever met and mm -hmm. you know we would look at at her life and be like you know th there's a lot of positives to this religion the community uh always being there wherever you go whatever wherever you are in the world you yes. find a Mormon community and they just bring you in and it's like, no questions asked. You need to help be moved. There's five huge Mormon guys there <laughs> to help you move in. You know, you, need to, you know, like, right. So there's a lot of really positive things about it. But recently she had that same thing happen to her 
her and her husband both um decided to leave the church and and i could just hear and they were just like she specifically is very innocent to the world like she didn't mm -hmm. understand anything outside of mormonism really and she started to now she's like well you know she's like maybe i should get a tattoo i'm like maybe maybe you should calm down uh <laughs> so like don't need to do that right now like but it was just like this this reaction so being repressed or in a box for so long the second you get out you're just like you know what do i do like i've never been able to try this or never been and and she's a, a grown woman with fa family and kids it's not like you're a 20 year old going out there like hey so it's a really interesting thing to look but you know but she's still is such a wonderful soul and such a beautiful and it's such a beautiful family but i completely i understand what you're going through because we we thought that like there's no way they're ever going to leave that situation <laughs> it's just like they're so gung-ho i mean they lived oh, yeah. in they lived in salt lake city they i mean it's the full-blown oh. thing and and i visited salt lake and the Mormons have that place on lock. <laughs> There's no question about it. Um, so there's, but it was really interesting, um, your story like that. But, and same thing happens with me. And I, so many people know that I'm a recovering Catholic. And uh, and I just literally just recently went to the Vatican uh, on vacation. Not specifically there, I was in Italy. And I was like, well, we got to go. Yeah. And seeing that place, I could just, when I walked in to the, to the St. Peter's, I just said, oh, this has such little to do with Jesus's teachings <laughs> and has so much to do with this organization's power and influence. And that's all. And, and it's, as you walk around and you start to, you're like, oh God, this is like, has nothing to, it just literally has nothing to do with Jesus. Like nothing, nothing to do. <laughs> so it's like, I, I already walked into that world already converted by decades, but I felt the same way as you. Like I would go to church when I was younger. I'm like, why am I here? doesn't feel good. Like the last time I was in a church, like to be in a service was at a wedding. And I'm like, I can't, I, I just can't, I can't get up and stand down and kneel and, 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 and go through this charade. It didn't make sense for me. It makes sense for others. Yeah. And that's fine. You meet them where they are, but for us, it didn't. So I'm glad you shared your story with us. That was such a, yeah. I mean, uh, it filled me up for years and, yeah. and it didn't. And what I've kind of related it to, and what I talk about with Emberly is that it feels like, you know, trying to fit back into my kindergarten clothes. Like I loved this outfit. It was beautiful. Like it was fantastic, but my soul has expanded so much. It's like, I can't, I can't fit back into that no matter how hard I try. Like I can respect it and love it and also be like, yeah, not for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I could fit some stuff. I could fit into some stuff that I used to have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not even kindergarten. We're talking like college would be great. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not sure it's the soul that expanded. It might be some other things that expanded on me, but I'm doing the best I can. Uh <laughs> yeah, well. So, um, so tell me, all right, so tell me, um, what happened in August of 2022 that kind of really shifted again, your life in a way that, uh, is pretty undescribable. Yeah. Well, let's go back a little bit. Um, after I left the church, Emberly was about eight months old when that happened. And a few months after that COVID happened, cause she died and she actually died about three years ago now, next week, August 17th. Mm. Um, but COVID happened and all my kids came home. So I had all six children at home and I kind of loved it. Like it was mm -hmm. 
kind of wonderful, honestly, to not have to drive them everywhere, not have to like um, have them be a million directions all the time, but just to have everyone at home and they actually got along and everyone loved Emberly. Like we just adored her. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. You know, let me just really quickly tell you the story of her name because that was um, really just a beautiful experience as well because the whole pregnancy, we've been trying, like I said, for a long time to get pregnant with her. And when we did, we really, really believed it was a boy, like 90%. (laughs) Like, it's a boy. Obviously, God's going to give us another son because we have five daughters. We already had four daughters and one son, you know? (laughs) We were like, for Mm -hmm. sure, it's a boy. And... I had a lot of um, problems and complications with the pregnancy, like diabetes and all that stuff. And I got regular ultrasounds and never allowed myself to see because I just knew it was a boy. So we had all these boy names, like we had the name picked out. And then the night of the birth, we were in room number 333, which I thought was very significant if you love angel numbers at all, which I do. And uh, she was born and the doctor was like, it's a girl. And I was like, ha what? You know, we didn't have any girl names. Like we'd already had four daughters and had so many hard times, like coming up with names that we both agreed on. And we we're like, oh shoot. And, um, Nate, my husband came into the hospital the next day and it was like, my sister called and she had a vision last night or kept a, re- a recurring dream that you need, we need to name her Ember or something with Ember. And I was like, I love that name. Like it just really had such imagery of like, you think of a number of, I love fire and I love like Mm -hmm. sitting around a campfire and just feeling cozy. And then one flies away and sometimes it looks like it's dead. Like, but if you just put a little air and tension on it, it can come back. Right. And we just love that idea. And so we named her Emberly Joy and Joy is like literally the epitome of what she brought to all of us. Like anyone who knows her was just like, Oh, she's such a bundle of joy and she really was so having all the children home and having her there with us and just loving covid honestly i mean some parts of it were awful obviously but emberly was very um let's just say she was (laughs) sheltered (laughs) she didn't leave the house very much in her short life because uh, well she couldn't and (laughs) it wasn't healthy for her so um on august 17th 2020 It was just a normal day, but we were preparing for the kids to go back to school. And so for the first time in probably eight or nine months, Emberly got to go to Walmart with us, which is one of the only only stores we have in town. (laughs) We're in a very small town. And she would you would have thought that she was in like Disneyland or something. excited to be there and pointing out all the other kids she was like never seen other kids her age you know, like for a long time she was just bewildered and it was just wonderful and we got mcdonald's and had a little picnic lunch at, you know and she was the kind that would dip the chicken nugget in the ketchup and then just lick the ketchup off and not eat the meat <laughs> obviously and you know got a kick out of her and then later that afternoon she was in a nap and i was downstairs working on my computer and um, she came down and was running around and I was like, hey, come here. But she just was like, eh, like, whatever, see you later, mom, you know, ran to somebody else. And I left to go take my kids to a birthday party. Now, two of my daughters had a birthday party and it was like 45 minutes away. So I'm driving there and I go 
and dropped them off. And I, on the way home, I'm listening to a Brene Brown book who I love. And I just finished the book right when I got to my driveway. And my driveway is really quite long. It's a third of a mile up a hill and around a curve where you can't see the house. And as I was driving up the driveway, I saw an ambulance coming toward me. And the lights were on. <laughs> and you know, as a mother, it stops your heart in its tracks. And I didn't tell you this yet, but um, for several years before this moment, I had been preparing for this moment. I had had premonitions and dreams and so many feelings during Emberly's entire life and even before she was born that one of my children would drown and that it would ruin my whole marriage and my whole life would change. And this was a recurring nightmare that I actually wrote about in my first book, The 10 Minute Refresh for Moms. I have a whole chapter on the dream that woke me up. <laughs> and it was literally one of those things where I did a thing called fear setting where I went through this worst nightmare because it literally would wake me up crying like regularly. <laughs> one of my children would drown. And because my husband wanted the pond and the pool, I always blamed it on him, like it's his fault. And um, we would get divorced and all that. And I, so I fear set this whole scenario. Like if this really did happen, how would I, could I handle it? How could I prevent it? What could I control? How, how could I react in a way that I became a victor instead of a victim? All those kinds of things were like all the things in my mind. And so as I'm seeing this ambulance come toward me, that's exactly, oh, it happened. It actually happened. Like I prepared my whole life for this, but what? Like, no mm -hmm. way. And I, I, um, I saw the ambulance pass me and went up to my driveway and saw my husband just like crying for the first time in our whole marriage. <laughs> We've married, I don't know, 18 years at that point. And I was like, what's happening? Like, you know, and then, uh, we, we all rushed to the hospital and, um, we're, we weren't allowed in because of COVID. And it was just a beautiful thing. We saw all of these workers, paramedics, nurses, cops, everyone gathered together in a big prayer circle and just like pray for us as a family. And I remember standing in the parking lot asking my family like to do like the Care Bear stare where we're just like mm -hmm. spreading love through our heart, you know, as much as we can towards the hospital. And soon after, like probably about an hour of waiting for her to breathe again, they said that she, they got her to breathe on her own again and we had hope. And so they brought us into the hospital and I was able to sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. She loves the words up up high. <laughs> and I could I could feel her hand like, and her heartbeat you could see um, was raising. So that gave us a lot of hope. And then they said there was enough hope that we could life flight her to um, the children's hospital up in Columbus, which is, so we got in a helicopter. I got to go with her because of the weight limit. My husband was too, too bulky and muscly. And I had this beautiful opportunity in the helicopter. Um, two paramedics were over there helping her breathe with these little machines and it was kind of awful. And I just felt so connected with her at that moment. And because I'd had so many premonitions during her life and an opportunity to prepare, I knew that she wasn't going to stay. And I gave her in that moment, like we had one of those soul connections where I just said, I know you're wanting permission and I give you permission to leave. I know that, and that was so, so hard. Like you Sorry. want them to stay so badly, um, but you really can't control it. Um, but it was just one of those moments where I just knew like 
we'll be okay. Like, it's going to be okay. Somehow we'll get through this and we'll make some something beautiful of it, of your life. And then soon after we got there and they did a brain scan and everything and found out she was brain dead. And then I had to sit in the hospital for two hours until my family was able to drive up and meet me there. And we had to tell the kids and that was the worst night of my life. Um, but also so beautiful. Just one of those opportunities to hold her body for the last time, but also acknowledge the spirits around that were buoying me up and, and our family at that time, we felt a lot of love and the overpouring of love from Facebook and friends was just so overwhelming and beautiful that you could feel like deep grief and pain and a massive love and gratitude at the same time. And for the first time, I realized that you can hold all of these emotions and the deeper the pain, the more love you felt. And it was just like this beautiful conglomeration of all the feelings. <laughs> and um, soon after that, after the funeral, I went to a psychic medium and mm. oh, that that mess the message i received was like oh this all makes sense now it all makes sense now because she told me that emberly and i had created a soul contract before we came here to earth to write a book together that emberly wouldn't be here long and i knew that at a soul level that's why i had feared it her whole life that's why i kept having premonitions and that we were supposed to write a book together to expand the collective collective consciousness and that, I had no idea how to do that. Like, I was like, uh, uh, yeah, I, fairly big order. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and um, I, I, you know, went home and I was like, okay, well, how, how do I talk to you, Emberly? You know, like, talking in my head, talking out loud. And then I had heard of automatic writing before, um, but I'd never really tried it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, maybe that'd be an easier way for me because channeling had always been kind of woo woo and out there and and you know you're you're talking to demons <laughs> so that's the devil's work that's obviously the devil's work yes obviously obviously, obviously. So <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show but my goodness soon after i would get up every morning it was it became like my favorite thing like almost like a drug to me like i couldn't get enough i would i would meditate and get on my laptop this one i'm talking to you right now and i would start typing i type my feelings i type my dreams and then i'd, I'd be like emberly are you there like can i ask you some questions and then she started coming through my fingers and just answering everything i asked and we just had beautiful conversations to the point where i was like I gotta share these like this is mind-blowing stuff and like stuff that I wouldn't have come up with on my own like I'm not I'm a smart person but I'm not like that <laughs> like I'm not yeah. I can't do that on my own and so I did I started sharing them on Facebook and people were just like whoa what is this like I can't wait for this book you were making a book right like and and so I um I wrote we wrote together over 200,000 words by like wow. January of that year. Wow. So like in four or five months, we had way more than a book. And um, I was blown away and also overwhelmed and terrified. I was so terrified, Alex, to share it because I was still deconstructing religion. And a lot of my questions were about that. Mm -hmm. And to share that message with most of my mm -hmm. audience, 
on Facebook was still family and friends who were very much still Mormon, or at least very least Christian. And where we live is in the heart of the Bible Belt. And I was like, <laughs> this is terrifying. So I just kind of shelved it. I put it literally, I, I had it edited and the editor loved it. She was a spiritual open person. Um, but I couldn't share it anymore. I was like, it's enough to share it on my Facebook feed, but, and just that, that's only little captions Oops. that I would use, you know. <laughs> sure, you were pre-editing, you were pre-editing. Yes, <laughs> 100%. So yeah, I put it on the back burner for nearly two years before I finally published it in December. And during that time, you know how like you know something and you're given the message but you don't know how to embody it mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like, like thanks for that amazing download but how do i actually do that like so many of the messages that she gave me were like you know there's so much beauty and pleasure in pain on a soul level like enjoy your pain this is your time to like really like dig into it and allow yourself to feel all the suffering and all the grief. Yeah. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I don't want to do that. Cause as humans, we don't like pain. We want to run from numb from escape, you know, repress, do all the things to not feel those feelings. But the more that I listened to her and allowed myself to feel all the feelings and have them be there without judgment, without labeling them as wrong or bad, the more I started to feel whole and complete. And I had written about in my first book, the Bible definition of the word perfect, like in the Strong's Concordance, is actually whole or complete. And Emberly taught me that, you know, so many of us go around wanting to feel high vibes or good vibes only. We talk with so, such like a, almost like a positive toxicity. Like we're so focused on feeling good all the time that we dismiss anything that feels less than that and we call it bad or horrible or we judge it as and we don't want it but when we learn to accept that part of us when we learn to love all of who we are and to really tap into that pain that's when that void that we've all been seeking to fill becomes full and becomes just a feeling of like all accepted and loved so Nicole, before we we get into um, your talk, your your amazing conversation with Emberly, I have to ask you something because a lot of people listening might be going through this, or God forbid, might have to deal with this in the future. How do you think you would have dealt with all of this, losing your child, if you would have still been in that box, if you had not done that work? That I know it was a still very difficult time. I have children. I can't even begin to understand that pain, but under, but I understand the the work that you did prior to that, that kind of lessened the blow. If that's even possible, mm -hmm. then if you would have been in, it would have been like shocks, no shocks, you know, <laughs> padding, no padding. Yes. How do you think your life, how do you think you would have handled this entire this entire event in your life if you would have still been in that box that you weren't feeling uh comfortable in anymore that's a great question and i've thought about that a lot because in that box you're taught you know um god planned this like 
he needed her home. <laughs> like he somehow needed her more than you. She's with Jesus. So she's fine. Like you're going to, you just have to live according to the, all the doctrine now in order to be worthy to see her again. And that was one of my biggest fears, you know, like I'll never course, be able to, fear. yeah, yeah it's all, yeah, it, it was all wrapped around. I would have yeah. been so scared to do something wrong, you know, to not live the gospel according to exactly all the commandments. And I was already doing that, but you never felt like it was good enough. So to those people who are still there and who have not done the inner work, I would say, learn first how to trust yourself trust your own gut over what you've been taught is the only right way. And that takes a lot of program, like deprogramming. It's very difficult. Like there are still times when I'm like, is this really Emberly? Like I doubt myself. Like, I, but then when I look at the message, like one of the things with the gospel is they always say by their fruits, you shall know them. Mm -hmm. And yet when you look at a lot of the fruits of Christianity in general, or just how people treat each other <laughs> within or without of the religion. <laughs> a lot of the fruits are not, are they're kind of rotten, Alex. <laughs> they're not very much terrible. <laughs> I don't want to eat that kind of fruit anymore. And so I would, I would definitely just say, allow yourself to grieve the way that you feel is best. Don't let other people tell you there's a timeline. Don't let them tell you there's a certain way to grieve because everyone grieves differently. Like for me, I learned to express myself through writing and through art and that was super healing i was able to get in flow and honestly the more that um i felt positive gratitude feelings about the experience the more i was able to connect with Emberly so much easier i could feel her vibration a lot easier and and that's okay like but it's also okay to feel so devastated and so sad and to allow yourself to just stay in bed all day and binge Netflix and eat whatever you want, that's okay. Like we have such a stigma in this society that, you know, like, oh, we'll just get back up. It's gonna be okay. And it was God's plan. So just get over it. Like some people would say that, like, just get over it. Like, um, <laughs> Jesus. not something you, you just get over. You know, they said that to one of my, my son and I was like, no like and and people like tend to i don't know put pain in categories like oh well you dealt with this it's so much worse than my that's pain. like a nine that's like a nine <laughs> yeah. my pain's like a six or vice versa yeah right like, it's because look you know someone who loses an animal it could devastate their entire life and it could be a 10 to them but if you lose yeah. an animal you're like Eh, there's another one around the corner. It, it, it's completely yeah. different on perspective. Would you agree that the biggest thing you learned during this transformation is that you don't need a middleman to talk mm. to the divine? And they, <laughs> I mean, I know it's so hard for that concept, to, you know, but this idea of, I'll, oh, you believe in God, that I could talk to God. Just talk to me listen to what we say. And I'm the guy, I'll be your middleman and I'll forgive you. And cause you can't talk to God yourself. You're just Nicole. Uh, you're just Alex. You can't really talk to God. I, I trained. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually in Mormonism, we were taught, you know, seek your own answers and mm -hmm. you can talk to God and receive okay. your own revelation. But, but if it's different from what the prophet teaches, then you're wrong. 
<laughs> so I was That's taught amazing. I was wrong because I had cognitive dissonance and I wasn't liking what he was preaching sometimes. And I was like, I want to love gay people and not see them as sinners, you know, like, Again, I don't know, yeah. like somehow that feels wrong to my soul to hate them or to not hate them. They didn't hate them, but to not allow them to, you know, pray in services or do things like that because, you know, they had a different way of loving. <laughs> like yeah. what I have learned so much is that God is just all loving, like unconditional yeah. love is really truly accepting everyone where they are all the time and without judgment without loving without you know condemning them or criticizing them or finding fault with it we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show and you know if they disagree with what you're thinking that's okay too like you can you can agree to disagree and not have to be disagreeable to be around. You can still like, Oh, oh, absolutely. There's members of my, there's members of my family who I disagree with tremendously uh, on politics, on religion, on all things. And I still love them, you know, and I still got to accept them. Uh, I just generally don't bring those topics up that at the family reunions, you know, you just don't, right. Don't don't go down that. Let's focus on the things that we have in common. (laughs) Like, look, look at this food. This food is great. Let's talk about the food. Um, you know, let's, football. Let's talk about football. Ah, those dolphins. You know, like, like oh, they're, they're, kind of generic and, and it'll be Yeah, safe. because because if you start going down those roads and that's where it becomes. So you just have to kind of learn how to deal with that. Um, all right. So I want to ask you a few questions about uh, your, your, your conversations with Emberly because there's some profound ideas there. So when you spoke to her, why do we have this pesky religion stuff that we're still dealing with on a daily basis? Well, everyone is learning and growing at different rates and everyone's perspective is valid. And religion does a lot of good for a lot of people. Yes, it And it creates community. It creates family. It creates a way for us to collaborate and to express our talents and to show love. And it really helps a lot of people. And there comes a time in each of our soul's journey when we have to decide for ourselves if it's still lighting us up and creating love and peace and joy in our lives, or if maybe there's something better for us that could create um, more feelings of love and peace and complete unconditional love. So religion has served the world in many ways, and it's also um, not exactly... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not exactly helped in s- several ways. And a lot of it's convoluted from the original message that Jesus taught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think all religions are like that, by the way. They're all a little diluted or a little misunderstood or has been changed for power or for you know control or, or things like that. I actually I absolutely agree with you. And I think if I may add a little bit to fear-based religions, are the ones that are the pro I can say the problem, but they're the ones that have some issues that they have to deal with because if it's all fear-based, that's not yeah. God. That's not spirituality. That's not connection with the divine. There is no fear in the, in that. And they don't judge in, you know, divine does not judge. God does not judge Jesus for God's sakes. You know, while he was here, you know, he was the first one to like, no, bring the hooker in. Like, I mean, come on. It's like, it's supposed to thump. <laughs> 
throw stones at her, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, so that fear-based is the real key term because there are wonderful aspects. You're absolutely right. Like I said, originally when we were talking, you know, the positive parts of Mormonism was just like, there's a strong ass community. I've, I've never seen like wherever you are in the world, they don't even know you from a hole in the wall. I need five guys. Here you are. Let's do it. Like they don't even question it. So there yeah. is positivity to that, but okay. There is, so that, yeah, there's both. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now you discussed a little bit about a soul plan, uh, a soul agreement. What is Emberly's, you know, take on that? And what is your take on that based on what you've learned? Yeah. Like I said, the psychic medium, that was the first time I'd heard of a soul contract. I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, (laughs) what is that? And I had heard of your soul's plan from Robert Swartz. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he wrote a book. He's been on the show. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. <laughs> and that that book really changed my life in that it introduced that idea to me of like, oh, we we can plan things before we come here. And when I dug into it with Emberly in the book, what really fascinated me was that, you know, before I always believed that God was the one doling out all the circumstances and the challenges that we go through in life. And in my book, I'm like, that's not fair. Like, why is it? why is it that God would like make me lose a child? And I wanted one for so long. And I tried so hard and had so many obstacles to get it. And then this other person over here who doesn't want a child who's abusing them gets like all these kids, or why is it that some people get massive disease and cancer and all these things, other people are healthy or the poverty and slavery. Like there's so many things that seem so unfair. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And when you think of it from like, God being a higher, powerful, white, cisgender, older, fatherly figure in the sky, like doling out, oh, well, you get cancer, you get rich, you get <laughs> like, like, the, the, like the like the horrible Oprah and you get cancer and you get <laughs> and you get like, that's like, no, yeah. that's not, that's not what it is. <laughs> right. But when Emberly explained it, like, no, you actually choose those things based on what you want to learn in this lifetime and what you want to expand and grow about. And I loved the idea of we even choose villains or people to play the role of a villain or somebody that hurts us so that we can learn on a soul level. And she she really helped me see that sometimes our villains in our human world were probably some of our best friends on a soul level because they were the ones that volunteered to play the evil, <laughs> the evil role. And that just changed my entire way of seeing everyone instead of seeing them as like bad or wrong, like victims and villains were some were two things that I had a really hard time, like loving. (laughs) I had played the role of victim many times and I really didn't want to be the victim to her death or like, you know, Oh, poor mom. She lost a child. Like, cause everyone looks at you differently Mm -hmm, once you mm -hmm. lose a child. (laughs) And I didn't want to play that role. But she taught me that all roles are so beautiful and so valid and so necessary to the way that um, just we expand and grow at a soul level. So she really helped me see that these plans that we created with the vic- with the villains and the hero story, you know, you have the background in film, like mm-hmm. every good story requires ups and downs and the really hard conflicts and villains or or even challenges challenges, you know to overcome and without those like it would 
really be kind of it's boring. A, it's a boring story. <laughs> a story a without boring. obstacles or out without conflict is a very boring story. If you look at any movie, any book, any story, even books in the Bible, stories in the Bible or in, in ancient texts, yeah. all of them have conflict. Without conflict, there is, you know, what are the 300 Spartans without the Persian army? It's just mm-hmm. 300 dudes sitting in a mountain. Like, it's not really exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, yeah, they're ripped up and yeah, I know they're muscular, but still at a certain point it gets boring. So, you know, you need that conflict. And, and in life, as unpleasant it might, as it might be, you need it. It's like, I always use the same analogy. If you're in the gym, you need to lift a heavier weight in order to tear down the muscle fibers so then it could heal itself and grow stronger to then handle the weight that's coming. And so that's how you grow and that's how you build muscle in your, in, in your body. So that's a perfect example of what life is. It isn't pleasant. Anyone who's ever been in a gym, not pleasant <laughs> at all. Yeah, exactly. But it's worth it, you know? And she actually gives the analogy in the book that earth is like the Disneyland of the universe that we choose to go here because it's super exciting. Everyone talks about it. You go there for fun and it's gonna be really great. And then you get to Disneyland and in reality, unless you have one of those fast passes or magic- And even then, and even then (laughs) the lines are long, it's hot. It costs how much to get in here? What does that water cost? How much is a popcorn? I don't want a turkey leg. Like. hundred percent right so even when you come like when you come like you make this plan and it sounds fantastic you're like that's gonna be so good and then you get down here and you go through and you're like i would not have chosen this there's no way you know like like mm -mm. and but when you really get down to the soul level and see what it what benefit is what how is this happening for me instead of to me um when you really start asking that question to every single thing that comes into your life then it becomes more of a beautiful experience and like disneyland you can look back and have fond memories and be grateful that you went maybe not want to go back so soon you know like on a soul level who knows how how often we return you know she she told me that like dying is basically like mario falling off a cliff (laughs) and then we can respawn whenever we want and it's just that easy because i never believed in reincarnation before either and now i'm like how could i have learned all the lessons and become you know this all-knowing whatever without having multiple experience and and that also makes it more fair to me you know if i'm in one life created this reality and then another life i can create all sorts of different realities then it makes it more fair that you go through one certain kind of challenge in this life and then a different kind another one so for me like fairness was really important in the book apparently (laughs) or just coming to grips with what i was going through We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Um, And so she really helped me understand that at a soul level that like when I could take responsibility for choosing it and that nobody like gave me it as a consequence or some kind of, you know, you have to have this happen to you in order to pass this test. It became so much more lovely, like, oh, so how is this happening for me and how can I use this to benefit it, others as well? 
Yeah, and this is and that point of view really does change your life in so so many ways because once you when I first heard of a reincarnation, it just made this it just made sense. Because just like you in, in Catholicism, that's not even, that's the devil's work. Um, and I just said, eh, there's a billion plus people, two billion people who believe that. There's a billion who, and like, eh, you mean to tell me all those two billion are going to go away because they don't <laughs> believe what we're saying? Like, the, the math doesn't add up. But, yeah. you know, how could you have, an, and that was the other thing I always felt the same way. It's like, my only experience as as a male growing up in America as a Cuban male, you know, Latino male growing up in America with this type of scenarios. And, and I'm like, that's all I get. And I'm lucky. I'm very lucky, you know, generally speaking, you know, or you, or how about that kid that was born with a disease and lives five hours mm-hmm. and that's it. That's like, that's just right. a lot. That's the cosmic <laughs> lottery. It didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense no. to me. This makes it a lot when you start delving into the concepts of reincarnation and, and taking more control and um, authority over what happens in your life and how you create your life. Yes. Um, it, it's very empowering. Yes. And to add to that, a lot of people, it really bugged me after I after I shared the book and or shared my story on TikTok or whatever. And people would be like, you manifested your daughter's death. You brought that upon yourself with your fear. And sure. I just really want to explain to the law of attraction community because I'm really, I like, I was afraid of that too. Like, cause I was afraid of her death because of all the, um, what I thought at the time were intrusive thoughts, but in hindsight, they were premonitions telling me like, enjoy this time, take pictures of her or whatever. Um, you cannot manifest another person's death before their time. If it's not part of their soul's plan without their soul's permission. I just wanted to put that out there because it creates a lot of feelings of guilt and shame on the, on the parent who, you know, people are blaming you for that. And, you know, I did the best I could. And there was a lot of guilt. Everyone that loses a child that I have talked to experiences a lot of guilt. What could I have done better? What should I have done? How could I have prevented this? You know, they wish they could go back and change the past. And there's a Peter Crone quote that I absolutely love that's helped me a lot. What happened happened and couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. And when you really recognize that you can't change the past, you can only accept what's happening right now in the in the present. And when you become grounded in the present and you're not wishing for things to change in the past or wishing for things in the future, that's when you feel happy and at peace like deep inner peace no matter what happens like i know now that there's nothing to fear that was the other thing like that was my biggest fear my absolute worst nightmare came true and it has become such a blessing for me and something that i'm so grateful for that i now fear nothing although i did for a long time i feared sharing my book right I feared other people's opinions of me. And that's something I have since healed because I have had critics, because I have had people that have ripped it apart or found found fault with my message. I've been able to dive into that. Like a lot of people, when they're triggered, they get triggered and angry. And now I've found that triggers are my friends. Like I look forward to being triggered because that's something that I know that I can go within and say, what, why is this triggering me? What is it revealing to me about myself and about the way I believe that I can heal? And when we can do that at a soul level, we are just 
becoming more and more of who we really are, being able to accept all the things, even if it's like nasty comments, like you killed your daughter on purpose to get rich from a book, like what? Well, yes, as anyone who's ever published a book knows that the money truck just pours right on in uh, yeah, because like, we're all here. We are, we're all uh, JK Rowling and Stephen King. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, like, no. I'm making like five bucks a book if I'm lucky and I haven't even paid off my editor yet. You know, <laughs> like, like um, yeah, I, I would never kill somebody first of all, and let alone, you know, manifest their death, but to make money. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of ideas out there that are just like, Wow. Well, I mean, and and these kind of comments and look, I, I, I've kind of come across so many, so many comments that I get on the show. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, thousands a day at this point. And a lot of times I read some of these and I go, Oh, that, that's a really interesting. What's happening to that person? What, what, (laughs) why did that person sit there and write 3000 words (laughs) on a comment about something and I'm like, wow, that that's really, that's going deep into themselves that they feel that they have to do that. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't leave reviews. I don't leave comments. I, I mean, I mean, not, I mean, to my, to people who come on the show and, and to my community, I do, but generally yeah. like, I'm not like running around. I'm like, I'm going to yelp somebody. You, you can I feel, I feel, no, <laughs> it's not something I feel I need to do. But it's really fascinating to see what other people are going through and what triggers. And this show can be very triggering to yeah. somebody who is not ready to hear these messages. I mean, this conversation is going to rock a lot of people's world. And I really hope it does in a positive way. I mean, can you imagine if you would have heard this prior to you leaving your box? It would have no. Your head would have exploded. Either you would have been extremely angry or your head would have exploded. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, those are the two options at that point. Or, God willing, it makes you start to think. It makes you start to go inward. Well, let me ask you: When you finally released this book and came out of the closet, if you will, um, how did you deal psychologically with the backlash of your Mormon followers and Facebook and your friends and family who might not have the same belief system that you do now? Oh my goodness. Like I said, I was terrified for like two years. It took me forever to publish it because of that. And then within, Mm -hmm. before my book even launched, I had shared it on Facebook that it's actually on Amazon. You can buy it early, you know, Um, but I'll be doing my book launch next week. And before I even launched, I had a one-star review that was so critical and mean and angry. And it brought me to tears. And I was like, I don't even want to launch anymore. You know, (laughs) I don't want to share this message. It's too painful. And then I had a Mormon friend who I didn't know personally, but he, I guess he was like one of my dad's scout kids or something growing up, um, who had been following my journey the whole time and was really supportive and helpful about it. And he said that he'd read the book and he mentioned something good about it. And I was like, I'd really like to know what you felt about it as an as a Mormon, because he was still in the in the church. And so I asked him point blank, you know, like, tell me how you feel about it. And oh my goodness, he spent, I don't even know how long, writing a 5,000 page, page, it seemed like page, word, email of how much he hated it, how it was the worst thing he'd ever read, how, how it was the worst writing he'd ever read, like everything wrong with it. And he was like, I'm gonna publish this on my blog. Or he actually didn't tell me it was a blog. I thought that he was just writing that 
to, to answer my question. I was like, you know, a simple, like, I didn't like it would have sufficed. sufficed. <laughs> but it, but it, like, it, 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 it triggered so many buttons in him. So many buttons that he had to like do point, point, point. And I only read like the first, I don't even know how many thousand words. words. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't need to re read the rest. And then he was, but he asked me like, you know, if you wanted me to change anything before I publish it, just let me know. I was like, publish it. What are you talking about? <laughs> so he like put it on Goodreads and then he put it on his blog and, and, uh, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. But we had a beautiful exchange, Alex, and this is what I wanted to share about this, because at first I was so hurt and so disappointed. And, you know, my worst fear of that had also come true. And I was just like, oh, man, this is the first of so many. I'm just so scared. And then something beautiful happened with him where he wrote back after he had seen my Facebook post of like crying about like how how much pain I was in. And he was like, that was not my intention. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Like didn't realize that my 5,000 word negative <laughs> <just> review <laughs> <laughs> didn't realize I hurt you so much. Like what? <laughs> um, but he said, it really, really helped me as a Mormon who, cause Mormons are of the Christian religions. Mormons are the outcasts, right? They're already like judged a lot and not even considered Christian by many Christians and whatever. Sure. So they deal with a lot of backlash anyway. So he was like, it was really healing for me to be able to bear my testimony and to share my truth because I hadn't with my audience yet. And he wanted to thank me for pushing him outside of his comfort zone. And it was bizarre, but at the same time, it was like, I could see that he had volunteered to play this villain part in my, in my story to, to, give me such horrible feelings and fear mm -hmm. about my book. And at the same time, I had pushed him to get outside of his comfort zone and face of fear. And so it was mutually beneficial in a really odd way. But I ended up feeling very, very grateful for that because now I'm just like, oh, well, there's couldn't be worse than his. You know, <laughs> you know like anytime someone leaves a comment, it's like, eh, no skin off my back. But oh. I also did have help. Um, several months after the book i think it was i i published it on december 6th on emberly's birthday which was kind of a weird idea because i thought it would be like celebrate and then i was like all sad because it was her birthday <laughs> it's one of those weird why did, I, why did i do that but also i'm i'm glad i did but anyway um a couple months later i was still struggling a little bit with the people pleaser in me i want i just want to make people happy i want to help people and sometimes when you're helping people in a way that you think is helpful they get triggered by and they don't like your message and they hate you <laughs> and that hurts you more than it feels like it helps them so i went and got um went with my husband and my brother to a therapy session with mdma and it's kind of like plant medicine but it's um oh i know i know what it is yeah. yeah i don't know how to explain it but it was one of those experiences that changed the way i see the world forever and oh. even helped me even more just like love everyone where they are and not care what they think about me anymore it's oh, it's, <laughs> it's like microdosing almost it's like a microdosing of a, a psychedelic or some something yeah, that something like that but it was with a trained therapist sure you know, yeah, yeah yeah like and this one has been proven to help a lot of people with ptsd and like a lot mm -hmm. of trauma 
and I had the religious trauma and the trauma of Emberly all packed in one with COVID, you know, so it was so healing to me and some of the messages that I received during that were so beautiful and they went along with the book as well, like uh, the first thing I noticed was that my body went completely numb and that kind of scared me at first because I was like, mm-hmm. I can't move. I felt paralyzed. And then when I like dug into it, like I just saw a vision of me and because I was like, I need my body, like my body's not working. And like I said earlier, my body's always been like way ahead of my mind and like gives me these weird sicknesses like my throat and stuff to help wake me up, to help teach me a lesson about something. And I've had a lot of chronic pain and complained about that a lot in the book with Emberly. She really helped me with chronic pain and just pain in general, suffering. <laughs> and the first thing I see when I'm on this medicine and I'm paralyzed is this vision of me in my pre-birth session, honestly, like scrolling like this, picking my avatar and trying on different bodies. Which one do I want in this lifetime? Like this one feels everything. This one feels like so much pain all the time and it's going to really help you dive into what you want at a soul level whereas some of them are like just totally different experiences depending on which body you choose when you Mm -hmm. come here Mm -hmm. and that just helped me have so much gratitude for my body and so much love despite the fact that it's painful like just to accept the pain and to not judge it as bad or wrong anymore to say oh this is just teaching me something that's kind of beautiful <laughs> like if you allow yourself to just feel things without judging them as wrong that's when you really start to feel whole that's such a that's so beautiful um i have to ask you this one question since emberly is on the other side and we're talking a little bit about the other side um where do we go where does we go when we all pass? That's a question that so many people would like to know. I'd love to hear it from yeah. Emberly's point of view. Yeah, well, what she has told me is that we basically just return to wholeness or all that is. All that is is our term for God, for just everything everywhere, you know? And so she describes it as this world where you just feel nothing but love and peace and joy and where everyone is out to help the greater good. And they're kind of all working in teams to help their humans. Um, They volunteer as like spirit guides and like she's my specific guide. And then she has a team working with her to help me specifically. And she just kind of explains it. I didn't go a lot into that kind of conversation, which is kind of funny because honestly, I was so trapped in my own questions and wanting my own pain to go away that I didn't ask her very much about where she was. Um, But the way she describes it just makes me so excited to die. If if that sounds weird. (laughs) No, no, listen, I've I've had so many near death experiencers who come here. They're like, I can't wait to go back. I'm just, this is, this is, this is horrible down here. It's like, it's, I'd rather not have to deal with this game. I would much rather go where I can't, where that place I just went to, I'd rather go there. Right. And the way she explains it, it's just so blissful and there's no problems and there's just all love and light that she says it almost gets boring to the point where you want to go to earth and create conflict and feel, feel all the conflict. Yeah. That's what we're, we're, that's what earth is here for. It is the, Mm -hmm. it's earth school. Um, and without question, (laughs) 
what is the biggest lesson you'd like people to take away from Ember Lee's uh, teachings? Oh man, there's so many. Probably, honestly, the, the name of the book kind of explains it to me in the holistic sense. And I'll tell you just a quick story about that to answer the question. Um, I went to a darkness retreat in Ashland, oh, Oregon. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> back, uh, this is where I had already had the book edited, but when I was sitting on it on a shelf, I didn't have the name of the book. I didn't know what to call it. And you know, as somebody in this industry that you need SEO or search engine optimization, keywords, things that people look up when they're looking up a book. It like, helps. Find this, right? It helps. it helps. And it's not the only way to name a book, right? So when I was talking with my editor about like what to name it, she had talked about maybe returning to all that is or return to all that is because Emberly and I talk about all that is all the time. Like that's the all encompassing word of where she is and where and who we are. Um, the, 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 the name for God is so convoluted and brings up so many different images and people's triggers. Mind, right. That the words all that is doesn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's more of a safe like oh anyone can come up with a picture for that and just like it's all encompassing love right so in this darkness room i was there for 10 days and it took five days but i knew that i was called there to get the title of the book and just to really communicate with emberly and get get a sense that this really was her and i wasn't just making it up to make myself feel better <laughs> so i was having a lot of doubt and fear mm -hmm. and after about five days of just nothing but my own thoughts, pure silence, no distractions except for my ego, <laughs> took a long time to quiet my monkey mind and to get connection with her. But she finally was like, Mom, that's a good working title, returned all that is, but that's not exactly how it works. You are now, you always have been, and you always will be a necessary and intricate part of the wholeness of all that is. It's more of a remembering. So name the book, remember all that is and highlight the ember, because when you are on earth, you feel like an ember, you feel separate mm. from the wholeness, you feel like you're dying sometimes. And all it takes, like we said earlier, is a little intention and love and air on your little ember to come back to full life and to remember who you are, which is remember all that is. When we remember who we are, when we really connect to our wholeness and we feel that love and light and joy and peace of who we are at a soul level, this human experience becomes so much easier and so much more beautiful and something that we're grateful for instead of wanting to end, if that makes sense. That's a beautiful answer. Thank you for that. Um... I'm going to ask you a few questions to ask all my guests. I think you might know what these questions are. Um, <laughs> what is your definition of living a fulfilled life? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I think of fulfilled as full or filled. And to me, that brings a picture of wholeness. And so many of us are walking around trying to fill a void. We're trying to find the answers. We're seeking outside of ourselves to find that wholeness. And when we can really remember who we are, like I just said, and tap into our own personal essence, the part, like I like to think of us all as 
a piece of a disco ball or a piece of a puzzle that is different and unique. If you think of puzzle pieces, every single piece needs to be there in order for it to be whole. And mm -hmm. if you've ever done a puzzle and put mm -hmm. all of it together and then had one piece missing, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. so annoying. <laughs> you, just, you just don't like the puzzle anymore, right? So every single piece of ourselves, of our essence, needs to be accepted, acknowledged, loved, and appreciated and brought to light. And so many of us are living in darkness of our own personal power, of, the, of who we are as a soul. We think that the power is out there, but when we can really tap into who we came here to be and just really shine, shine who we came here to be, not trying to mask it, hide from parts of us that we don't like, we don't want others to see. And I, I like the phrase Emberly gave me, the only thing I need to feel happy and free is to be 100% authentically me. 100% means all of the parts. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say would help everyone feel fulfilled is to be who they came here to be. If you had a chance to go in the time machine and go back in time and talk to little Nicole, what advice would you give her? Oh, little Nicole. <laughs> Love yourself and trust yourself. It's all working out for you. When you can trust yourself over anyone else, uh, it's so much more freeing. How do you define God? What's that movie? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Right. All that is. <laughs> Great movie. <laughs> Great movie. Everything, everyone, everywhere, all at once. All that is. That's our power. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? To remember who you are. To remember your wholeness. And then it's like the game's over. And then you're here to just serve other people and help them remember too. And where can people find out more about you and your amazing work and your book, Remember All That Is? It's all on my website, um, www.embersglowstudio.com. And do you and have yes, any part? I made that after Emberly. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have any parting messages for the audience, you or Emberly? I just want you to know you're loved and that you're not alone. And then if you're going through loss of any kind, don't compare it to other people's. Mm. Know that your feelings are valid and allow yourself to feel all of them all the time. And to know that you're not alone, that there are many people going through this process and I'm just an email away. If you need help with those certain challenges of grief, especially lose, losing a child is horrible. Leaving a religion is actually was harder for me because I didn't lose oh. Emberly but I did lose my entire identity and my entire community. So if you're traveling through that and going through that journey, please reach out, find somebody, <laughs> know that you are loved and that you're not alone and that there's no wrong way to do it. Nicole, thank you so much for this conversation. I really do think it's gonna help a lot of people out there. So I appreciate you, your bravery and your journey and sharing it with us. So thank you so much, my dear, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for letting me. I want to thank Nicole so much for coming on the show and sharing her story with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 331. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember... 
trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.